Well, here we are. It's it's another episode of uh, Connect This. One in which I'm trying to figure out if I'm ill or not, or if I just have allergies or something. So if my voice is weird and if I'm a little bit spacey, uh, well, that's pretty much me normally. So I guess you have to deal with that. <laughs> Welcome. I'm Chris Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. And I'm excited to talk about a raft of things. We'll talk about what we're going to go over after I get through the intros. We're going to start off with uh, Kim McKinley. Kim, Kim is in D.C. What is going on in D.C.? You know, nothing is ever going on in D.C., uh, if you ever think there is. But um, anyway, I'm up here with uh, the Fiber Broadband Association, and we did a little bit of um, a fly-in to talk to some staffers and legislators about the importance of fiber. So it was a really cool day to meet some of uh, those people and see how really important it is um, for those uh, senators and Congress uh, men and women, uh, the importance of this infrastructure bill c- getting into the right hands. Uh, so it was interesting hearing it from their uh, from their perspective. But Did now I'm here with you guys. Here, you guys. On? I think they know they are very well intended. I think a lot of them. The biggest concern is that they they are very w- well aware of it, but they're being very much educated and I mean lobbied by certain um, industries right now, but they, they, I I talked about like some of the railroad issues of permitting and they said that they're hearing that from everyone. Um, some of those kind of issues. So they're, they're more aware that I think people uh, think they are my personal opinion. All right. We also have Travis Carter who is in Minneapolis and apparently might be sticking around for the winter for the first time in a few years. Welcome back, Trav. Well, Mr. Mitchell, did you get your fiber internet, uh, installed? I think it's Tuesday. I think I'm set up on Tuesday. Right. Actually, so here's the thing. I was uh, I was at an event. Uh, I think I was with my team or I was traveling and I got a phone call and I took it and it was them and they wanted to like schedule a new thing. And I was like, oh, can I do it earlier? And they were like, yes. And then I was like, okay, well, I can't talk to you right now, but you know, can I do it online? And they were like, oh yeah, just go ahead. And then I went online and they said I couldn't do it earlier. So I'm sticking around <laughs> and hoping that Tuesday I'll get it back. Okay. It'll be interesting because I, I think your internet connection has got gone from bad to worse over the last couple shows. So it will hmm. be good. It'll be good to see. Well, that's interesting because I am, uh, you know, as I noted before, I'm on the Comcast mid split and I've got the uh, much faster upstream than I did before. Um, Right now, I think I'm good. I've been um, so with the higher upstream and then I'm also paying way more than I used to. And so I don't have a bandwidth cap anymore. And so I got eight terabytes. I just got up in the cloud over the past uh, seven or eight days or so. So, but I'm not uploading anything right now to try and avoid any contention. Nice. Yeah. So one of my employees just went to the mid split. He thinks his performance is worse. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, we were just, uh, I mean, a spoiler for next week. We, uh, well, next show, uh, we might be talking a bit about buffer bloat and stuff like that. Um, a few of us were kicking around some different tests that we had, and um, mine showed that I was on a pretty good connection. So I don't know, but I have, an, I have a thing I'll talk about later on today about some of these speed tests and my f- real annoyance with um, on net versus off net and some of the stuff. But before we do that, Doug Dawson, CCG Consulting, welcome. 
Well, I'm excited that we're going to talk about a raft of issues because I always thought we were going to talk about a lifeboat of issues, but a raft is a good improvement. <laughs> <laughs> So we are going to talk about a number of things that Doug's covered on his uh, blog. Uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, one of the things that I think you correctly described as a the industry freakout over the digital discrimination stuff. And might get a little bit snarky looking at the Wall Street Journal story about this. Um, I didn't check, but I assume that the FCC adopted the rules without any surprise earlier today. Um, I had not looked, but I, they had to adopt them today, so I don't think they had a choice. They no. did three, three to three to two. Yeah. Okay. Not too surprising there then. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Canada and competition and some interesting approach in Canada that many of us um, have felt is not likely to happen in the United States, but we'll talk about what they're doing there. Um, we're going to talk, I think, just quickly delve into uh, the, the very fascinating economics of um, Chelan, Washington. There's an article about what they're dealing with. Very big Western County in um, Washington state. LAN uh, is home to one of the earliest fiber to the home broadband networks that was built at scale. And uh, we got some insight into some of their numbers and some of their challenges of getting to the last 15% of folks. Um, and, uh, you know, a few other things we've talked about before, maybe the little yakking about the broadband definition. Um, we talked about that last time, but just a few more things to say, maybe. Uh, but let's dive into digital discrimination first. And, um, Oops, Chris, you, you forgot you forgot the biggest thing that we got a piece of fan mail last week that you didn't talk yes. about. Yeah, no. So <laughs> we we got um, wonderful fan mail from Ezra uh, and uh, one of our commenters that's been back uh, quite a bit. Uh, and um, and I followed up with uh, actually Ezra as well on uh, online on uh, LinkedIn where we chatted a few times. And uh, actually, uh, Ezra, if you're watching right now. I owe you a response, I realize, but um we, I got great ideas for an IXP show, for a show about internet exchange points um, and ideas for some other shows too. So really appreciate those ideas. Uh, Kim, is there anything else you wanted to touch on from that? No, just but I just, I was just, I was just so excited after what, 84 shows did you say, Travis, we've had <laughs> that uh, we have one piece of fan mail. So, I mean, for other people that have sent us fan mail, uh, we value you too, but Kim just has a bad memory. <laughs> Hundred percent improvement. Yes. Uh, no, and I, um, I, it was, it was really great to get that, and it's super heartening. So uh, definitely, thank you, Ezra, um, and um, thank you, other folks. Uh, I was also before we dive into dis digital discrimination. Uh, Rye is on vacation, and so I'm running the show again, and so it's a little less produced, and uh, might just be, you know forgetting what i'm doing at times so uh bear with us and um we're gonna we're gonna get it going though so uh digital discrimination um I'll, I'll, let me just start off by saying that um so as noted it was a 3-2 vote apparently um you know in the run-up to this this is about whether or not companies can be sanctioned or at least found to have been neglectful perhaps in um some kind of pattern of discrimination in the ha who has high quality internet access in different uh places we assume largely in cities i think is the expectation uh for this um so the fcc has developed some rules i think many of us don't think they're going to do a whole lot. Uh, industry, uh, the big monopoly companies and the U.S. Telecom and the National Television Cable Association or whatever they are, NTCA, 
NCTA. NCTA. NTCA are the good guys. NTCA are the, <laughs> NCTA are the, the big cable companies. NCTA is the big cable companies. Um, they are acting like, I don't know, like someone's stealing their children and selling them yes. into uh, something horrible. So, uh, Doug, you're paying the closest attention to it, I think. How would you introduce folks to it? <clears throat> It's very interesting because it's, you know, what the FCC, well, what they all wanted to do, the cable companies only wanted there to be proof of discrimination. If they could find true evidence, like from inside the company where somebody wrote an email and said, let's discriminate against these people. And of course, you're never going to get that without a whistleblower, right? No, and, and so, let, me, let me just interrupt you yeah. for a second because, uh, Doug, I agree with you in that I do not think we would find that. And yet, whenever no. one does massive discovery against these companies, you often find something. You like actually that. do when you ask them, because I actually was a case against Verizon years ago where they actually turned over the bad evidence. So, mm -hmm. so sometimes they do that. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim Ballard has it. a. Jim Beller has yeah. a great story about that with Comcast, actually, in which yes. they they were just like, "Isn't this conspiracy great?" And they were going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, the one I did, there was a an ISP, and they literally wrote, "We're going to put him out of business." It's like, "Oh, that's a pretty good email." <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's what the ISPs wanted. The FCC said, "Well, no, because some you know discrimination is found in the marketplace. You didn't go to these neighborhoods. That's all the proof there is." Now. The reason I think it's an overblown, I mean, they're completely freaking out over this because they know there's a million examples of where they've discriminated, right? And so the reason, so that's why they're freaking out. You know, they have to take this with a grain of salt that they really think the FCC is going to hit them with a hammer for those, you know, 10,000 existing examples. They're acting like they are, and the FCC is not likely to really do that. I mean, it's this is still a regulatory body made up of lawyers who try to balance both sides of the industry and are still mostly on the side of the big guys. So, yeah, but they don't even like the threat of them looking. They literally said in their filings, they don't even want the FCC to look at the evidence. They don't want them to look at numbers and facts. So that's how, that's how scared they are of this item. So. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. we have several things that we can uh, we shared in the bullets, and we'll see how um, everyone reacts to them. But my favorite one that I've just been itching to get at since I saw it was uh, um, Commissioner Carr, who you know, you know, yeah. he is um, um, the less um the less um just trying to like he is closer to a normal person than any other republican that has been on the commission in a while yes, but that's yes. not a very good bar well my, my 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 saying was if you don't have anything nice to say chris you shouldn't say anything <laughs> at all so he he suggested that um he, so in this article that i put a, a link to ours technica i'm a big fan of john brodkin how he covers this stuff um he noted that uh Carr said it empowers the fcc to regulate every aspect of the internet sector for right. the first time ever and is motivated by an ideology of government control that is not compatible with the fundamental precepts of free market capitalism um what i'm confused at is that i'm pretty sure that that's what net neutrality was also and so you know it, how many times is this the worst most overreaching thing ever and there's no possible way they could overreach further until they do something else and then it's oh my god it's so much worse than anything else they've ever done it's just it's just overblown rhetoric to try and get the the likes from uh, people online, I think, from what I can tell. Well, and the last time the FCC did put in that neutrality before it got overturned and hardly anything happened because of it. I mean, yeah. it's always overblown. Yeah. yeah. So. It also went the other direction. All the people that fought 
you know, that all sorts of terrible things would be stopped. They weren't actually happening either. Net neutrality was the craziest thing our industry has ever seen because both sides were lobbying on sort of imaginary issues. So. <laughs> Before, and it looks like Kim, I don't know what you're going to jump on that, but I just want to note, like, I do think that we didn't see the parade of horribles, um, although California and others have stepped in. I will note that if you look at television and radio, there is a good reason to be very concerned about too much industry control when you look at how it can stamp out a, what it could be a democratic medium. So, like, I don't want to, I don't want to both sides that too much. Yeah. Kim. Well, first of all, I was just going to say something else that I forgot. But then when you were talking about government over control, one thing I did hear from a lot of the Congress people and uh, staffers and, and senators was USF reform and ACP, um, speaking of government over control. So um, that was a lot happening up here on the Hill was everybody wanted to go into um, how do you handle that um, from the, uh, the staffers perspective. Are, so they just in interesting. Favor of, are they in favor of letting it die or in favor of redoing it? I think that most people that I talk to on both sides want know that they have to refund ACP. Okay. Um, yeah. I think they know, but they a lot of people want to combine the two. Um, and then others are like, we feel like there just needs to be some reform on ACP or um, hi, like make the, the, the bar higher uh, just because... There's just so much money going out on ACP um, every month if we keep the standards the current level. So yeah, in fact, um, if you want to really get into that, uh, the Community Broadband Bits podcast uh, just uh, released yesterday, I believe, uh, uh, covers this in depth. Uh, Angela Seifer and um, Greg Geist joined me to go in depth on USF reform, how it relates to the ACP, and trying to give a, a, a real update for folks who are who are both new to that and people who have been following it. So, um, But it does strike me as, um, I think there's a bit of a tendency sometimes to focus on the things you can't control because it's like more convenient. And so, you know, Congress could do something to help with AC with uh, the USF reform, uh, but that's something that uh, the agency, the, F the Federal Communications Commission, could just do on its own. And we keep hoping that they will prioritize that. Sorry, Doug, I thought not, you were leading in a not bit. Coming through, Kim. You're mm. not sure. Oh, I said, I said, sorry to derail your um, statement or your segment, Chris, when my brain went to somewhere else in the middle where you were going. No, it's all good. So I am curious, Kim, let me ask you then. Um, I mean, how did you react to the digital discrimination thing? I mean, I feel like last week we talked about it a bit. We felt like it's kind of a not, not much is going to happen. How do you have a different reaction now? I think nothing is is, is going to happen. I think the big guys are going to keep doing what they're doing. I think this is just going to be a topic that everybody goes towards. But I think it should be addressed personally. I think it's happening. Um, but wh where did like? I don't think anything really is going to happen. No, I, I don't. I think this is just another um, just another thing shot uh, that people are taking on digital discrimination. I don't think yeah. people even understand what digital discrimination really is like digital redlining. I don't think that most people even understand that terminology at all. Well, I, I think it's actually deliberately opaque in some ways. I mean, there are there are different things that are involved. But you know, one of the things that I have to say that um, frustrate me with it is I think that um, if I was to critique a lot of the people I generally agree with on this, I think there is too much of an argument that um, 
that there are there are some people who have said there are no additional costs to serving the lower income neighborhoods. And I just don't think that's accurate. I think we've covered that before. I think there's increased capital costs of building in extremely low income areas where often there's higher crime. I think that there are higher operational costs. Um, you have higher rates of non-payment requiring more follow-up and challenges and things like that. Um, and so... But the thing that I come back to, and it's something that I think I was playing with a little bit the last time we talked about this, is just that I I don't see the, the, what the solution is here. I mean, the FCC might have a dog and pony show, I guess, for a couple of blatant examples, maybe, um, probably of some smaller operators, I'm guessing, because they're not going to haul AT&T to the carpet, I can't imagine. Um, and so I, I don't see this as anything other than like Kabuki theater, uh, which I think more people are familiar with that as a metaphor than actually <laughs> are familiar with Kabuki theater, which is just to say it's a show. Like it's just, it's all, it was pen, we're just going to go through the motions of doing something. And I, I, on that show that we did two, uh, two weeks ago or so, I think, um, you know, I had made the comment that 50 years now for almost my entire life, um, we've had the, we've had the approach of banks redlined. Let's force them to lend in low-income areas. It's been 50 years of that approach of trying to force banks to lend in those areas. And can any of us say that that's been a success? It's better than not doing anything, but it's not actually setting up those neighborhoods for success. And so, like, that's where I'm just frustrated in that, like, this proceeding maybe will have a small difference around the margins. All the energy that's going into it, I think if we could put it into a different place, we might have better results. I agree about the Kabuki theater and there's some really good examples and they will, I think that they will use this as a way to pressure ISPs to act better. I mean, the example I think that comes right to the top of my mind was last year when that study was done in South LA, that clearly showed that charter was charging way more money in poor neighborhoods than rich neighborhoods who were only two miles away. So that, that's massively blatant discrimination. And it wasn't a little bit. It was like $2,000 a year difference in the rates. So I think that they will highlight those kind of areas to try to get them to stop the practice. I don't think they're going to hit them with a, you know, a $100 million fine or anything. So that's why it's theater. But, you know, just pressure from regulators is actually a valuable tool. So, you know, the one they'll probably pull up, though, I've been looking at like little towns in Texas. I look at a little town where Frontier came and built about two-thirds of the town with fiber. And sure enough, they didn't build the third that was poor. And you can't really make the same arguments you're making here because this is a tiny little town. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, was not a big, it was not, a, we're not talking, you know, building 10 extra blocks, it, not having those kind of issues you just talked about. They simply said, we don't build there. <laughs> you know, well, I now, had to... are, they, are they ever going to get pulled is there ever anything ever going to happen about that? No, just like your housing. I don't think that they'll ever fix it. I had to throw this banner up, uh, which I'm so proud of being able to make that and get it up and maybe take it off here. Because um, that's one of the big issues. The cable and telephone monopolies are screaming that if you keep track of who's paying what, that is rate regulation in and of itself. And so <laughs> let me bring in Travis to ask you, Travis, like you're someone who I think the F we, you don't want the FCC to be telling you how much to charge for internet access. And I, I can respect that. I'm, I'm guessing that's your position. Do you think you reporting to the FCC what you're charging is rate regulation? Well, I think we already do report through their map thing. Do you charge, do you include their, your pricing though? I think, well, your speeds, I guess. So so you're saying if we provide the same speed everywhere, the individual price, you know, for us, it's not a big deal because everyone pays exactly the same. 
Yeah, exactly. Like your rate regulation, like you. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's two dollars a gallon for milk at one store, and it's two dollars at the other store. It's the same. It's the same thing. You know, I'm only on page twenty out of this two hundred and eighty-one page document the FCC put out. You can definitely tell they're a bunch of lawyers. And I'm trying to figure it's out mostly footnotes, it, though. Oh my god! But it's, and the footnotes it, are all that matter. Well, it's trying to distill down. I mean, it, it, this does give fundamentally on the document gives them a heck of a lot of power i mean like we're talking a ton of power well the part i haven't got to yet is and we've talked about this before chris we've tried we've tried everything we could think of to help you know areas that have what uh reduced uptake on internet to help them get internet and we haven't been able to find the the magic bullet either Mm -hmm. i'm not sure the fcc is this all this is going to help i mean it probably makes them feel good that they got this thing that congress made them want to do and got it out of the way but what is it really going to mean and and they certainly don't seem to hold local government accountable at all to help it's kind of like here's the way so far i've read it we have a hunger problem in this area let's blame the grocery stores Uh and it's like well, well hold on what about all the other people that are involved here and they don't even address any of that. The other thing I thought was interesting is I didn't know the FCC had an enforcement division. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if you start counting the government agencies that were involved in this document, I mean, my God, I didn't even know there were so many of them. There's an agency for everything over there. So who actually at the end of the exercise is actually going to do the hard work to prove somebody's actually discriminating? Because the part I'm trying to find out, so Kim and I are a new entrants and we're building. And let's just say we decide, because for whatever reason, we can't build on Main Street. Can the FCC come back and, and call us that we're discriminating? I, I, I don't think so. That. I mean, so the question is, do they have the power to railroad you if if three commissioners really wanted to come out and get you? Quite possibly, yes. Uh, however, I don't know how one guards against that, <laughs> aside from the fact that, like, um, you know, we generally give broad ranging powers to entities to do stuff and then have checks to make sure that they don't abuse that. I don't think it's likely that the FCC is going to come down on you and Kim for neglecting Main Street. Uh, I also don't think they're going to come down on AT&T for Ohio. Um, the problem is the inability to draw those distinctions, I feel like. But then further, I just think the FCC is the wrong agency to do this because the, re- the solution to this approach is to say AT&T, and I'm just, I don't, there's other examples one could use. I think Charter in LA is a very good example as well. So Charter in LA, um, AT&T in Cleveland, they have refused to invest in those areas. What is What do we do about that then? Is it to try and force them to invest in those areas? Because I actually don't think that's much of a solution that's going to get us very far. Well, no, and, 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 and AT&T these- would gladly take a fine rather than build. Yeah, it would be cheaper. And, you know, the funny part, I can't quite figure out. Again, I'm only on page 20. I got, like, a whole lot more to go here, is if if they're targeting inner city networks or or metropolitan networks. but Let's be clear. I mean, we're – so, I mean, this inner city drives me nuts um, now. And I I said that myself sometimes. We're talking about black neighborhoods, right, often. And my neighborhoods with a lot of minority people, recent immigrants, often black neighborhoods. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so those and so all these free government handouts, we we can't we can't use that money to serve, but yet the FCC can come down on us for not serving. While they're so, busy, while they're busy wiring up lake homes, 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that that's, I'm just curious that's, 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 that's what's happening is that okay. the government is putting a ton of money into connecting rural areas and is is potentially going to punish companies for not having invested in uh, lower income areas. Now, as we're saying, though, Travis, I don't think this is at all about you. Like, I think if you were to be tried in front of the FCC because of where you have invested and you were to explain to them, this is how much I invest every year. These are the areas that I've gone to. You know, I think, um, you know, it would be possible the FCC could rule against you, but they almost certainly would not because they would look at the places you've gone to and say, you are not and you are not discriminating. You are doing the best you can and building out. And there's evidence for that. Um, and so I, I don't want to I don't want to get confused about the power to do something versus like a reasonable group of people actually coming to a conclusion on this. But how much? Uh, Sorry, hold on, Doug. Let's let yeah. Travis go and then we'll yeah. come back to you and then yeah. Kim. OK, so now I've got how much would it cost Kim and I to defend ourselves in front of the FCC? Couple well, you're assuming that there's something going on there. I mean, I, I just I don't even no, think no, that no, you, no, you, you just don't of, walk in out of the goodness of your heart and say, yeah, I'm not here because of X. I mean, you've got to. You've got lawyers, you've got discovery. I mean, this is going no. on for years. So I agree with you on that. But this is yeah. the same issue we had with net neutrality in 2015, where people are like, oh, man, like it's going to bankrupt us to like deal with all these provisions. How much did you spend on lawyers, Travis, to deal with net neutrality? No, no I love okay. that net neutrality because, you know, we, you know, that's not a problem. But this is where they're, they get, look at the document and start peeling it back. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can get into every aspect of your business. They can. And so and the SEC can as well. And like, I mean, like, you know, there's all kinds of rules that like um, give regulators serious oversight. But anyway, I want to let Kim jump in yeah. and then we'll come back to Doug. I was going to say, but I think the problem I have is, is some of the dirty tactics that somebody might turn somebody in for this discrimination just because they need to get rid of the competition or get get um, the focus off of um, them, that that entity building wherever they're building. I think it can, can come into like a tattletale situation. And is it, it could, that would like, be in a way to yeah. use it. And I think the FCC, I, I would suspect that that will happen. And I suspect that the FCC has uh, procedures for dealing with that to do some uh, evidence collection before they, they would um, rule on that. I don't know if Doug, if yeah, you have a better but, sense of it. But how would you, how would you like police it? like on the same level across the country. I think that's I think the that's, problem. <laughs> so like, this is the problem with like the four of us nut, nut, um, nut jobs um, talking <laughs> about this is that like, we don't actually know if we had on someone from uh, the FCC, I think they would explain this because uh, police agencies have been dealing with this for hundreds of years, right? I mean, like this is not a new phenomenon. They have awesome power and they have to find some way of using it in a reasonable way. So we have warrants and there's all kinds of things like that. I just I'm a little bit frustrated to spend too much time talking about ways in which the FCC, in theory, could abuse this power when I think it is most of us agree mm -hmm. the FCC is not likely to do anything. And almost certainly that is not going to abuse the power. But, Doug, let me tune, throw you up. And that's exactly my point. They're never going to look at Travis. So this is a theoretical discussion because that's just not going to happen because they're not going to waste their time there. If they did come after Travis. The chances are the big ISPs would jump in to defend them because they don't want them to come after them either. You know, so what's going to happen if they go after anybody? The first one they go after, it's going to be in court for six years. And during that time, they won't go after anyone else. That's the reality of how regulation works. And so, it, you know, every police agency has amazing power over you. Your regular local police can pretty much make your life a living hell, but they don't. I mean, that's the reality of it for most people. So 
the, uh, my one fear is they do pick out two people in the United States to make examples of them. Let's hope it's not Travis. No, no, no. I'm, and I, and I, you know, I'm not saying I'm just, you know, trying to understand what, what, yes. what, the, what the options are here, because I think, um, you know, th there is potential exposure. If you're a small upstart, you come into an area and the incumbent goes, oh, why did you pick that neighborhood over this neighborhood reports you to the FCC? And now you got to deal with the FCC. Yeah. No, you but know. that's that's so like what happens then? What happens then is I'm guessing if the FCC takes that complaint seriously, they may send an investigator out. And this person is not someone who's like, this is their first day on the job doing telecom. They're like, oh, you're a new provider. You've picked a neighborhood to start working in. If in 10 years you've only served well, high income areas, maybe we'll have an we'll have an issue. But like that's the way it would be dealt with. I doubt you even have to have a lawyer if you were that small ISP. Uh, they would All come right. and meet with you for an hour and they would go, this was a waste Again, of time. I have no, I have no, I got no worries for Kim. I'm just trying to. Somebody on here has got to play the other side of it. So otherwise, yeah. we're just all. Um, so then, then the question is, how does this affect banking, Doug? So if you if you go in and you get a loan and you get some banker that goes, well, hold on, what about this FCC thing? Do we have any exposure there? Well, now you now you actually hit on something. Yeah, yeah. So That's just one. It's one more item to make a banker be cautious. You're absolutely right. So if you're a if you're an incumbent provider. Matter, let, right, let's play a little conspiracy theory here. Why would you be arguing against this? Because it is going to be even the interest rates are one huge problem. The capital structure is another huge problem. Now let's throw on some FCC regulation for these upstart ISPs on there. So let's just be clear here. This is the fun part about conspiracy thinking is that it can be totally divorced from reality because <laughs> well, no, no. we, we know no. we know who is arguing in favor of this and we know who is arguing against it. And there is no seven, seventh like uh, degree, whatever it was, it a seventh dimension chess going on where the big providers are trying to figure out how to like settle stuff. This is a nothing burger. This is no, the no. FCC. This is, this is the new 5G, Mr. Mitchell. You know, when you, when you go talk to the banks, they're going to be like, well, how's this FCC regulation going to affect you? Another thing you and, got. And you're going to say. Again, I just want to say. It doesn't affect me. I just want to be the other side of the argument here. Well, you're, if it happened to you, Travis, you're going to say, I have an industry expert. Let my guy, Doug, send you a memo. Tell you well, and, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and we're big <laughs> enough now. Kim's big enough now. We'll just let the attorneys deal with it. But, the, but again, if you're an upstart, yes. there, there could be some hurdles for you. The uh, there's a question in the chat that I just want to note. Ezra asked about um, the FCC answers to Congress. And though it's true that the FCC gets a significant part of its budget from Congress, the FCC is a part of the executive branch and right. um, as such uh, reports to the president, uh, although uh, there are a certain um, uh, uh, both legal and um uh, informal, uh, like sort of ways in which they communicate and do not communicate during rulemaking processes and things like that. There's a whole thing around that to insulate it from political pressures and that sort of a thing. And the FCC self funds largely, but the, the FCC does get some budget yeah. from Congress, but mostly they self fund. Right. Mm -hmm. so. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about if anyone from the FCC is listening? How about they open up some funding for inner cities so maybe we could maybe we could do some good. That that would be a novel this, idea. And also, this is also the agency that considers broadband twenty five three. So uh, used to be uh, they've they've come kicking and screaming. But Kim, what were you going to say? Um, no, I was going to joke. It's going to be Travis's next uh, 
federal funding, federal funding program of the week um, that we used to have and for the inner city builds. But uh, mm-hmm. I think, and I think this is my, this is my take on what I heard yesterday. I think people are understanding that it needs to be at least um, the Congress people that I spoke to that need, they know it needs to be more than 120 um, or they're, they're, they're moving in that direction was my sense. Um, they know that it's not good enough today. Uh, but I think they are hearing a lot from the other side of that people don't need symmetrical speeds or that fast of speeds too. So Travis doesn't need uh, those cars that have an excess of a hundred horsepower either. <laughs> oh, but about a hundred, I mean, 120, seriously, that's what they're, is that what they're going to go for next? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. No, it's almost yeah. certain. I mean, they're, it's more or less done. They haven't had the vote to finalize it. Yeah, but well, that's coming. So then all, then I don't understand. Okay. Then maybe you can help me understand because most places are covered by that. So that's the whole So what is the discrimination component? Is it that, you know, that, that, that's that, you know, well, how so does it overlay okay. into ma- most people? So ma- I'm going to, uh, I haven't finished reading it yet, but um, I really appreciate the work of, of, um, of um, Bill Callahan uh, in Cuyahoga County. Um, well, he's actually in Ashtabula now, but um, he writes a lot about what's going on in Northeast Ohio. He just did a story about AT&T. And so the issue is that the discrimination is that AT&T has refused to upgrade in a lot of places around Cleveland. So those people are stuck with a charter monopoly and that sucks. Uh, they have to pay a ton of money and to get crappy charter service. They don't have an option. They could pay like, you know, $65 a month for like whatever AT&T, uh, um, whatever AT&T DSL was there in like 1999, but hasn't been upgraded since. And so the argument is, is that AT&T has discriminated. Now, the issue that I have with this, which is not echoed by a lot of the public interest community, is I think if you pass laws in which you tell AT&T you have no responsibility to the public at all. Your responsibility is just to make as much money as you can. And then you get pissed off when they focus on the suburbs rather than the neighborhoods that have the highest poverty. Uh, then, you know, the problem is not with AT&T necessarily. The problem is with the regulatory system. If you're expecting them to be investing in areas that you want to invest in them, then there has to be some level of of, of like uh, agreement. I just, I don't like the idea of being like, all right, AT&T, do whatever you want. And then when they do what they want, it's like, well, you didn't do what we wanted. Okay, but like, it's it's just so much easier for public interest folks, uh, for everyone to say AT&T should solve this problem and close their eyes to the fact that AT&T cannot solve this problem. AT&T could be forced to invest more in Cleveland, and we will find that those neighborhoods still do not have the same level of usage because we have a greater need for device training, for uh, making sure it is more affordable than it is elsewhere, for uh, making sure that people uh, um, uh, have uh, the, the training and the devices uh, and that sort of thing. So like, there's a lot of work that goes into this because this is a problem of poverty, not a problem of technology. And that's my frustration with this is I feel like everyone's trying to figure out the easy way to make someone else solve it. When I think the only path forward is for cities to take this seriously, develop a budget around it and develop some metrics and actually start trying to make a difference. You got it. That was pretty oh, good, Travis. No, no, actually, yeah. I, I, I agree. It's like, you know, make the make the private company deal. With, well, you and I have talked about this a hundred times. It's like, you know, I've had hundreds of conversations with every government agency in our area in, in, over the last 15 years. You know how many have done anything? Zero. 
they love to talk about it, but when it actually comes time to do the hard work, let's blame AT&T for not doing it. Yeah, for people who are for people who are watching, like I can't tell you. I mean, Travis must have texted me or called me 10 times over the past 2 or 3 years with like, "Hey, I think we're actually going to get something done here." And you know how many things have gotten done there? I think Nothing. zero. Nothing. Yeah. You know, again, and I'm not, you know, saying anything negative about it. It's just that it's the fact. I mean, everyone wants to play hot potato with this issue. Well, and the thing is that it's hard work. And this is where I want to bring Kim in because I'm like, Kim, you serve, you have a network. You have a bunch of people who are truly driven to try to make sure that everyone is connected. And I have to think that if one of your cities came to you and said, you know what? We noticed that usage is not as great in these neighborhoods. Like, what can we actually do about this? I got to think that that would be a different kind of conversation than the one you usually have. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it takes community support plus the network to get anything done in these areas. And it's proven on the Utopia network that when we have community support just in general, the take rate in the entire community goes up. Um, and that is something that you're going to have to have in order to really have this conversation go anywhere. Um, because, yeah, like a lot, it's, it's easier. There's a lot of people saying what they will do or what they can do. But I say this all the time. How do you operationalize this? Let's stop talking about all the others of all the crap and let's see what can we get done and what are the goals for this year to get it done? Yeah. So as we're getting ready to exit this and go back on to the agenda, um, I want to see if Doug, if you had any thoughts, you you flagged in particular the the Wall Street Journal article, the sky is falling, like the oh, government's was- regulating, like Bernie Sanders is taking over the world, like it's the yes. end of everything. That was a wonderful article because essentially there, you know, this is the end of this is the end of civilization as we've ever known it. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to share it because it's paywalled, but it's paywalled, uh, people but have to. It's, but it's crazy, yeah. So, you know, I just wanted to say one last thing here: FCC would have never taken this on. It was in the Stupid Jobs Act. They would have never taken this issue on on their own. They were very happy to not do this. So. Yeah, I mean, this is in so. This is something that I just feel like for people who watch this, and if you know who Lena Khan is, Lena Khan is the head of an agency that has basically the similar power to the Federal Communications Commission. Lena Khan has said that the courts have perverted the way we deal with monopoly because for a hundred years, for ever since the United States was born, the the courts, the law, we have worked to try to prevent large monopolies, private monopolies from taking things over and having too much control. And over the past 40 years, over my lifetime, don't blame me, but happens to be over my lifetime, the the courts have basically stepped back and said, we're not going to enforce the law anymore. We're going to enforce something else and we're going to allow massive monopolies. And Uh, Lena Khan has said, I am the chair of the Federal Trade Commission. We are going to do something about this. And she has done a lot. And people might be frustrated. People can argue about whether it's been successful or not. She has a vision and she is doing it. Jessica Rosenworcel is the chair of the FCC. And as Doug says, the only reason she's doing anything on this is because the Congress said, you have to do something on it. What has this commission done? Granted, it's been 2-2 for a lot of it, although in part because the chair didn't actually support the seating of a commissioner that would have been great on it because she didn't want to get upstaged. But like, like I just you could look at these two different agencies that are quite similar and see the difference that a good chair makes. Um, so... One last, that's your bonus rant, Travis. I hope you're happy. You got to <laughs> mark this, bookmark this up. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Well done. Um, so the next item was Canada on competition. Doug, you uh, know more about this than I do. And apparently you think I'm going to disagree with you on it. So I'm curious if you can outline for folks. We'll find, we'll find out. So 
just, What's happening I in Canada? It was just last week, I think. But Canada, basically, the big phone companies have built about 60% of the country with fiber. So they've been very busy building in cities mostly. Uh, and so and Canada came last week and said that they now have to open up all those networks to open access. They have six months to do it. And, uh, and that's the end of the story. And so... And so in my view of this is that's massively government overreaching because even if you're a big company, and even, if, even if you're a monopoly, you made that investment with a chance of making your money back and all of a sudden they're going to cut their revenue stream in half. And so, you know, I'm all in favor of voluntary open access like Utopia is doing, but to come to an existing company and go give your stuff away for half price. We already tried that once with the Telecom Act in 1996. Total disaster. You know, it'll Kim? probably end up, end up in court there, well, but but they literally so, said they they have they have to take their fiber network and they're going to stop investing in fiber. So okay, yeah. so uh, let me uh, make sure I'm understanding this correctly. You yes. went they went to private companies who yes. put up private capital and yes. then said, "Oh, excuse me, let me have half of um, like let me determine well, your business model." Yes, yes. yes. So a couple, of, yes. a couple more facts that you can start screaming, Doug, if I get them wrong, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, so in Canada, you have a market that's heavily monopolized by Bell Canada and Rogers, which is a cable company. Um, previously, they were required to share certain aspects of their network, including, I think, duct, uh, conduit, copper, um, but not the access lines for like coax and not fiber investments. They didn't have to share those things. Um, and then the other fact was that Bell did say that they were cutting back their investment plans by um, on the order of several of many hundreds of millions of dollars Canadian. I mean, I would say like 700, 800, 600, 700 million dollars Canadian. They plan to reduce their investment, they said. We've seen these sorts of claims before and a lot of times they're hollow. Uh, and then for the other thing is that in, in most of Europe and Asia, you have these sorts of requirements uh, that everyone's been familiar with. The issue is the transition of, of an expectation of, of private ownership that then is switched in Canada, which is why people are reacting to that. And then as Doug, as you had said, we did this in 1996, although there was a fair amount of warning about it. And also it was barely implemented because of the courts and also neoliberal um, policies from uh, Clinton and uh, Bush kind of rolled it back before it got really serious. So anything that you disagree with on all that? Well, yeah, I do. I want to point out also in 1996, they were unbundling copper, which was already dying networks. <laughs> you know, so, um, but no, Kim just said it right. They're going to a private company and go, no business plan, no choice. I mean, it's crazy. Well, um, and this is, this is literally what the fear is among uh, a lot of the big monopoly cable and telephone companies in the United States. And it's yeah, why they're I agree so with them. over the top for anything the FCC does is they are afraid <laughs> that the FCC will increase its power and be able to uh, unbundle, which is the word that is often used, the networks. Um, I think many of us don't really see that as a possibility politically. And even if it were done, uh, many of us are deeply concerned about that approach because we feel like it's just a recipe for making the lawyers rich as opposed to actually accomplishing anything in the United States. Now, there is one other issue here. Bell Canada is the main company this is happening to. One of the reasons they got to be so large is they bought up a whole lot of their fiber competitors. They could have stopped them from doing that, so those stayed independent companies, so they had competition. But you know, they let them gobble them all up, and now they're saying they're too big. Uh, you know, that buying a company to them was a faster route than building it. That's what they did. <clears throat> so, 
it doesn't really matter. Somebody privately paid for it. And now they want to break it apart. So. Like, yeah. I yeah, am she's all still in. If, she's still in amazement. <laughs> I'm in all in if government wants to pay for the route and then making it open access. I actually sure. think that is the way that Me you too. should go. Yes. But I do not think you should take private businesses and try to run their business model. Hey, Travis, let me uh, let me you go build some fiber and then let me get some of it yeah. um, because I'm the government. <laughs> Fa fabulous, isn't it? I, I'm actually surprised there's even any small ISPs left up in Canada. You know, so there are a few. I mean, that's the thing yeah. is that it's been it's been pretty brutal up there. And now this is I mean, I'll, I'll do the opposite of it. And, and, and I'll say I share your concerns about this use of government power. But if I was forced to defend it, what I would say is you can't have a country that is held hostage by privately held monopolies on telecommunications. So the CRTC, their version of the FCC, said um, that independent competitors now serve 47 percent fewer customers than they did just two years ago. Right now, some of this, like, you know, perhaps the Canadian um, parliament and courts should have stopped the consolidation that has uh, has been a part of this with Bell buying up folks. But like at the same time, I don't think that it is the case that um, in a rule of law society that I want to live in, that's pluralistic and has like an open society. Um, you know, if there is a monopoly on telecommunications, I feel like um, that there could be. Uh, dramatic steps to force it open to allow competition if it, there is a real public harm. We can't have all businesses basically being throttled by a few telecom monopolies. Well, there is a traditional solution for monopoly, which is not what they just did. The traditional solution would be to make them break into five or six companies because now they're a lot smaller and they don't necessarily have monopoly power anymore. So we also did that here. That actually was a little bit more successful until they all joined back together again to make AT&T. <laughs> Which the regulators approved. I Which mean, this they approved, like... <laughs> correct. Yeah, so, but, you know, so that's the traditional, and not just for telecom, but that's the traditional, there's one of the traditional ways to deal with monopolies is just break them into pieces. Right. So, and, and fiber networks can easily, they could go on northeast, southwest, four companies. You know, that's a totally different approach, so. So don't get too big, Travis. <clears throat> No, but what about, the, are they going to have to pay at least some sort of wholesale rates or what? Oh, yeah. Like there's, oh, there yeah, will be some kind of charge, rate. But yeah, season, but that's the thing is, is, yeah. is, is it'll probably be so expensive for these, these smaller ISPs anyways, they won't even use it. So it might be a whole lot about nothing at the end of the day. Well, they'll probably fight about the rates for the next five years. Well, that, that's the thing yeah. is, you know, yeah. it, you, cause you could go and you could get, you know, IRUs and dim wave, you know, on all these facilities today. It's just you can't afford to make the deal work up there. Well, I think the right. government's going to force the rates. They just weren't published in the order. I think they're coming soon. I think they actually yep. know what rates they want them to use. So what's I think it's they, uh, it's they, will, they will be cheap. Is what you're saying, huh? Yes, I suspect they will be yeah. cheap. Is my guess. Oh yes. So speaking of this, I think it's a good transition to Shalan. Uh, um, Washington, um, where um, it was just stunning. I mean, Shalane has been a model. I think, Kim, you you were out there recently. Uh, do you want to just give people a quick overview of what Shalane's been doing? I wasn't in Shalane. I was in, in Grant. Um, Grant. I it's was cousin. in Grant. Thanks, Chris. Shalane's been my <laughs> fraternal, client. Fraternal twins. Shalane's been my client for 20 years, so I can talk about that. <laughs> Go ahead, Doug. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a government-owned countywide electric utility. It's paid for by the good people of California. <laughs> yes, but it's and it's very successful because it has some gigantic hydroelectric data in it. So 
And so they took some of those profits and they decided years ago to build fiber everywhere. And, and, and it started and stopped and started and stopped, but they've really reached very far out. And this is a giant county. I mean, you can drive seven hours. From yeah, I think like 3,000 square miles, if I remember yeah, correctly. I mean, it's, I think it's bigger than a few states. I mean, it's that big. Yeah. And so they have this giant county. And so now, and every course, as they keep expanding out, it gets more and more expensive to get to anybody because they're so darn far apart. So that's so the stat. That's, that's the stat, the stat in particular that, yes. I, that that blew me away. So, and I've been yes. out there into Leavenworth, which is um, one of these weird towns where it's like a Bavarian village. All the signs, yeah. and all this. you got McDonald's that has like its Bavarian yeah. signage and stuff. Um, and uh, beautiful, beautiful country. But yeah, they have served eighty-five percent of the population, and that has. Um, uh, balanced itself in a way that um, to serve the other 15% will require as much as many route miles yes. as the first 85% did. We're talking about an average cost of 15 to $25,000 per household to build fiber out to the remaining people. And this is a big county. I mean, like there's what, 100,000 people in this county. So we're talking about, yeah. I think, 12,000 more households or something like that. Oh, yeah. But the fact is that but they all live in the middle of nowhere. They're not in towns. They're out of I mean, these are these are survivalists we're talking about out in these places. I mean, they're their neighbors eleven miles away, so that's just expensive to get to. Um, and, and I have to even wonder how many of them have electricity. <laughs> well, I think but a lot of them do. I mean, so it was it's just a gigantic county. I mean, it's just. I mean, you drive and drive and drive it at both northeast and southwest. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. When I was out there, um, one of the times they had had a big fire and. Uh, yeah. When they go out, this I've used this example before, but when they went out and talked to people, they said, oh, it's going to take us a week or two to get your electric lines back. And many of those people responded, well, how much for the Internet? Like, I'm, I need the Internet more than I need electricity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because if you're living that isolated, like access to the Internet is huge. Like it changes it everything. It is. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it was it was remarkable. I don't know, did you get a chance to look at it, Travis or Kim, and, and <coughs> want to react to anything of it? I, I don't. I mean, they've actually looked. They've actually it. looked at a wireless solution there. You almost have to put up a tower for three houses. It's just as expensive to do wireless. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting though. I don't. I, do. why, I don't understand why it's that expensive if they already have the poles up. A lot of the poles have to be replaced. But they're going to be replaced either way. I don't think so. I think they're going to no. wait till they fall down. <laughs> oh. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is this is the irony, right? I mean, like we feel like like we're often thinking about pole replacement fights in terms of uh, of like a utility against like other entrants or whatever. Like this is actually different divisions within the utility. I think that are just arguing with well, each well, other. This, about this it. kind of sounds made up because have you ever seen a fiber cable? I mean, we're talking like this, right? And if, yeah. if the pole can hold a three phase electrical, it can hold another little cable on there. So I don't know. It's it, uh, see, uh, see. But now the regulations come in because the state of Washington and their wisdom has a problem letting you do that. So, yeah. On your own poles. On your own poles, yes. Boy, it, well, it, and uh, so uh, if I had to guess, Doug, that's probably because if your own poles come down, it lands on someone else and electrocutes them. So <laughs> could be. But I think, Travis, like you put your finger right on the right question, I think, which is like one of like if – these poles have to be replaced. Why should the internet service bear the cost? And yeah. it's a very good question. I mean, you you would think financially you would have been planning about that for the last 50 years while those poles have been standing, and it would just be part of a normal maintenance cycle. But you know what? We, we run a very simple underground network. I don't know how it works in the pole world. 
But it's mm-hmm. the same thing because, you know, here's this one house that is served by 16 or 20 or 50 poles. That's expensive maintenance, Travis, even for the electric side. Well, yeah. I, yeah, but the electric, you're already maintaining it due to the electric, right? But if they do have a plan to replace the poles over the next 10 years and they're told they have to replace the poles over the next two years, then I can understand why they're frustrated about that. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I, it looks like beautiful country. Never been there, though. But, well, let's you know, go. This is, but the good answer here is this is true of almost every county you go to. The last five or ten percent of the people across the board. Well, let's you know what? Let's just turn them into the FCC. There we go. Problem solved today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Now the FCC SWAT team will come out and and the, and they'll they'll force them to do it. Well, we just that came reminds full, me. Best comment we came ever. Full circle on Best that. Best ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll come in with the. I wonder if they'll get the jackets that say FCC on the back, like the FBI so, has. I, that was, I forgot that was the other thing Ezra had asked about. Uh, yeah, I mean, watch Pump Up the Volume, people. Christian Slater in his prime. Talk hard. And uh, <laughs> yes, there are, there are guys with guns and trucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't actually know if they have guns. They probably do. do, 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 do. FCC, open up. <laughs> Um, you know, the they, pro- they probably just, just have a fiber splicer in their pocket. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I was super annoyed at um, something I, w- I talked about this before, and that's like, uh, you know, so there's ongoing sniping between the people who are frustrated with um, uh, the speed testing. Uh, the state of Washington is moving forward with the NDT test that Travis doesn't like that MLAB uses uh, because it does not do a good job of, of measuring the maximum capacity of high capacity lines. Um, but I'm more annoyed at all the UCLA testing where I feel like, you know, if I'm on, if I'm on a network and I do a speed test with UCLA and they have an, on, they have an UCLA server and it's telling me I'm getting this great connection, but then that ISP, uh, let's call them Schmomcast, um, they happen to throttle their interconnection points so that like, whenever I try to actually use it, I can't actually get those speeds. Like then what is the measurement do good for? And, and, and that's one of the things I'm just frustrated with this measurement test. I feel like the measurements we want to know about are off net. And so I don't know if there's a reaction to that I don't think we've really talked about that. Much. Where, where is Momcast? Where is that located? Everywhere. Momcast is in so many places. It's in Schmomcast, Schmomcast <laughs> County. Don't you know where that is? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I don't. I mean, well, here's my reaction to it. First off, the ISP knows when you're looking for a speed test site. If you go to Ookla, they can easily make sure that you get a good result on that test by giving your connection an absolute top priority. So they can manipulate, and they've been doing that for years. Is, the, is what everyone says. We don't. We don't know for sure because we haven't had that whistleblower. But uh, but there's no reason why they can't go. He's trying to get the Ookla priority. And so it'll give you a better answer than real life. And so I think that's the difference you're seeing. Um, the other thing they do in general, even for your own connection, we, all, we can't forget that they still do, they give you a much faster internet even on your own normal connection for the first minute or two, and then it slows down. They've always done that. They've mm-hmm. done that forever. And, and, and then so, you know, when you're actually trying to upload your big file, it goes real fast and it slows down. That's how they do they don't open up the pipes all the time. They never have done that. <clears throat> and they don't talk about that. That's nowhere in their policies. It's not written anywhere. But all you got to do is, is look at the speeds over a long haul up or, upload or download and you see it happen. So, yeah. You know, so that, you know, <clears throat> and that's simply a network management tool they have to go, 
Chris is trying to upload a terabyte file. I can't let him meet up the whole neighborhood. So let's, you know, that, what he doesn't matter if it takes 10 minutes longer. Just slow him well, down. I mean, right? and it's, it is totally sure. reasonable. If I'm sitting here on a connection yeah. during prime time and, uh, and you know, and I'm and I'm just eating it up and eating it up, and that's not how they're expected me to be using it. And they publish that, and they're just very clear in their network documentation. That should be perfectly allowed. But I feel yes. like in some ways, if that is not, a, I haven't read the Comcast or the Shmomcast doc, you know, documents um, to for what their policies are. But um, we got the net neutrality order in part because Comcast was lying to its customers about what its technology was doing. They didn't just not tell people, they actively lied to people when they called with questions uh, mm -hmm. around BitTorrent back in the day, which yeah. also was like in unintentionally throttling Lotus Notes and other business applications. And they used to say the truth about this when they used to call it burst technology. Now they just do it as a computerized, you know, it's no longer a specific technology. It's just the way they monitor the network. I'm pretty sure they still do it. But yes, they don't disclose it anymore. It's not in there. Kim or Travis? Uh, well, but even in the most pure network scenario, no package shaping, no limiting or anything, pure high capacity peering points, you still in a lot of cases are at the mercy of the destination service you're using as well. So don't forget that. Yeah. Right. No. So, so what you're saying is that if I'm going to joeschmo.net and I'm on a super fast connection, I want to download a really big file. They may not have optimized to be able to deliver it to me. That's yep. why for me, I usually look at like Dropbox or Google Drive, which are optimized for multi-gigabit connections, as I understand it. And, and you got to make sure. I mean, if you go to a small player and they're coloed in a in a colo center with one gig uplink, they're not going to give you the whole one gig. Mm -hmm. They're they're going to carve it out. So you're you know, you've got to be a little bit careful um, uh, as far as who are you actually talking to. And, um, and could an IXP be a good position? To... Yeah, tough, because you, you need to kind of be at the source of destination to kind of to not. It's tough if you're the kind of the man in the middle. Yep. Kim? There was a song about that, the man in the middle. Is there? Um, okay. I, I so um, I I love speed tests and I hate speed tests because they make my uh, life a living hell. Let's be honest with you. Um, if you have a ten gig connection and then the people don't see whatever that they think they should see, and you're trying to explain all the packet loss and everything that's happening or what is happening behind the scenes, it goes disastrous. But yeah, I've seen. I've seen some major carriers show a speed test that said one gig symmetrical. And I'm like, and that's a speed test that has absolutely been falsified. But when you're dealing with that as a provider who's actually trying to deliver you the speeds, um, it's hard to compete when you're like, that's not a true speed test. There's no way in heck they've ever gotten one gig symmetrical on a speed test. Yeah, a lot of people are annoying. Um, I think um, CenturyLink, I literally advertises their service as 940 megabits by 940 megabits, I think, because of the overhead. Yeah. And um, and I'm just a little bit annoyed by that. I'm like, they should be able to call it a gigabit. Like it's well, yeah, Verizon's always done that forever. They've always shut their speeds. Are but I can you, you and yeah. Kim could probably attest to this. The number of people that call, if they don't see 1,000 over 1,000. They'll ask. It's like it's like when you buy a uh, you know a two terabyte hard drive and it formats out to one point seven. It's, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Um, Ezra brings up an interesting point though. IXPs can and we're gonna I think we're gonna talk about this in the future, right, Chris? Yes. They play a crucial role 
in bringing high high capacity connections between networks that do that do improve significantly improve the life of your downstream users on both ends. So, right, because without them, the stuff can run halfway around the world to make the connection. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jay. Great to have Jay on. Jay, uh, I'm hoping that you'll be able to help us uh, join and do the IXP show. You're you're the first person I thought of when we're trying to put together a lineup. Um, I want to talk about uh, the um, broadband definition. One other thing, um, we talked about it briefly earlier, but I forgot the thing that Doug talked about that I wanted to get back to, um, which is gets back to a different hobby horse of mine, which I feel like so many times we don't actually, we look at like measurements and compare them without doing the hard work of understanding what is being measured, how how accurate is that measurement. Um, and so Doug, you were asking about latency and packet loss. Um, and um, and I thought you made some good points about how um, those are important measures, uh, but we're not expecting the FCC to get this right or do it in a meaningful no. way. No, the FCC had a latency test for RDOF it had, everything had to be under 100, megabit, 100, 100 milliseconds. Everything except the high-level satellites are under that. Hey, good test. It's not a test if everybody meets. <laughs> it's not a standard or a goal. I mean, for and a government bureaucracy, that's a problem. They said, yeah, they just said you you know you can't be you can't be a satellite. Otherwise, you're good. Otherwise, so you know. So if they actually implemented a real test, it would be awesome because then the technologies that don't meet it would not get these subsidies or whatever right so uh but they they don't they, you know the fcc will never it's politics they will never ex exclude technologies if, unless they really have to from their stuff right so um the the problem with um bureaucracy is that i feel like what you just said doug is it's not a test if if everyone passes i actually think that um, you know, a poorly performing bureaucracy actually takes the view that that's the only kind of test that they want to have. <laughs> no, that, that is the view they take. Yeah. Look, everyone's got good latency. That's what they say. So then you also talk about competition. And once again, I think your your opinion is, yes, competition should be a part of this, but the FCC will not measure it correctly. Never. We already talked about that. I mean, they're never going to look at low income neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff. They're never going to. Well, yeah. Well, again, my house. I mean, my house, they say I have 10 ISPs available. I'm pretty sure eight of those are imaginary. So, you know, they so don't really exist here. Yeah. What I was just going to ask you, Travis, I'll ask you the question after you make your point. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just wondering on this whole thing. Let's just help me understand. Let's just say the FCC had the definition of broadband be gig by, you know, symmetrical gigabit. And now the map opened up for investment opportunities through all their free handouts. Wouldn't that help solve a lot of these issues inherently is the bar set too low that everybody can, you know, I mean, for instance, my buddy uses this like Verizon air internet thing or something. If you see, it's like a cell phone in a box. Have you seen mm -hmm. that? And the only way to talk FaceTime is if he turns off the ceiling fan. And that's like, that's like, a, <laughs> like a internet. Right. And it's wow. just, it blows my mind that the bar is set so low on what we consider broadband that but let's, all, I mean, all, all this could be solved if we set the bar higher and then a bunch of people could come in and facilitate but, but so here's just the option. You're, you're pretending that the FCC's definition has anything to do with the real world. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I think you're, you're confusing several out. things, Travis. So first of all, um, first of all no, no, I don't, no, no, no. I have a question. I have a question. Zero, first of all, Kim. 
robust is that uh is that fan that he has in his house? I mean, it must be a honker, man. No, this is my tech tip of the day. If you're having problems streaming, turn off your ceiling fan. Wow. So, so I, I would guess that under under twenty five three, his connection is probably not considered broadband, just as an FYI. Right. But that doesn't right. automatically open up funds to be available. It depends oh. on where one is. But if you run a um, speed test, you get hundreds of megabits. But the ceiling fan will saturate it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. That's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we need this guy on. Welcome to traffic show. engineering. We need this traffic guy engineering. Yeah. So the but Travis, one of the things that I, I just I do think people, many people who are watching may be familiar with this, but um, the FCC does not have the power to turn around and to suddenly. Um, give you money in in uh, Minneapolis to try to like fill in the gaps where Comcast is and CenturyLink is, but they're not getting the job done. Um, that would require a new act of Congress to give authority to the FCC to act on it. I believe no, the FCC only has authority to act in in rural areas. Um, and so now, if they were to like decide that half of the country did not have service because they didn't have gigabit, mm -hmm. um, I don't think that that would actually result in a lot of change um first of all i suspect that it would just if the fcc were to do that one positive impact of it is i think that we would see doxis for doxis symmetrical upgrades almost immediately and the cable companies would be advertising that they could meet that and we would see a significant upgrade i mean they could be doing it right i mean they've they're electing to push it out for many years they could literally do it starting tomorrow if they wanted to I'm assuming I'm, I'm Doug is going to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm guessing. Well, actually, actually, they can't. Comcast is the only one that has a version of Doxis for because they developed it in their own lab. It's not commercially available yet to other people, but it's going to be soon. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, but that's what would that's what would happen, I suspect. But I mean, um, the the reason that the we don't have investment in the areas that you serve, Travis, is because of the political power of the big cable and telephone companies. Whether it's at the FCC, whether it's in Congress, whether it's the state of Minnesota, whether it's the city of Minneapolis, they are very persuasive, very persuasive in arguing that there is no problem that needs to be solved by government. And I think that that's wrong. You know, I think that Baltimore, from an infrastructure point of view, Comcast has done a very good job, I think. Most of Baltimore, which is to say, like, in excess of 95% of Baltimore, if you have the money, you can get a pretty good connection from Comcast. Half of the city in in the in the um, in the you know um, the areas of town that are uh, been left behind that have a lot of income that ha have a low income neighborhoods that have high crime mostly black neighborhoods the low income black neighborhoods um, I'm sure they have black neighborhoods that are uh, middle income and high income as well but those are the areas that have been left behind and the problem is not infrastructure um, entirely uh, but I think the problem will be solved by an infrastructure that could meet some of the needs. It's just that you have to have the right incentives and to have social programs attached to it. And so, Travis, I guess what I would wrap up by saying on this is that like, I wanna work with you in Minneapolis to solve this problem. We would need money to do it, but simply making your network available in more neighborhoods is a good step forward, but we're still gonna have a lot of people who still can't be connected, even if you're making it available for free. Travis, you get a gold star. You got him to three speeches today. Oh, I've, I've been trying to, yeah. And I, <laughs> I even I had a really, like I had the perfect, you know, one to get him really going. But I'm going to take a big I, nap in a second. But I've got to run. <laughs> so I, might, I might save that juicy one for next time. So, yeah.
But I mean, do you agree, Travis? Like, I mean, even if so, I mean, my my expectation, let's have realistic assessment right now, right? There are significant parts of Minneapolis that that don't have good um, access to the Internet, which is to say that Comcast is there. They mostly have the same service that I do in St. Paul, um, but they cannot afford it or they have bad credit or they don't want to use Comcast for past experiences or whatever. Uh, if we were to be able to make sure that you were building there tomorrow overnight, it would may bring a significant number of people online, but there would still be a lot of people who are left behind. Well, and I guess it's what's your definition of left behind, because you and I have talked about this, that there, there's a certain segment of our society, believe it or not, for all of us computer nerds, that don't want the Internet. So if, even if they had 100 choices, they, would, they wouldn't choose any of them. So, and, and a lot of people use their phone. For what for the stuff they need, so I guess my whole point on this whole thing is, if there's twenty five three available to you, are you really left behind? I believe yes, you can be. Now, Kim, I'm curious how you react to that. Um, I was um, texting a uh, text. So, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, you, if you have twenty five three available, <laughs> which today is the definition of broadband at your address from at least one provider are you left behind the question is yes. a baltimore question i think which yes. is to say like yes. is there a problem in baltimore how are you left yes. behind if that's the definition of broadband and it's available i'm not i'm not saying but we all know that we don't agree with the definition of broadband no, no, but so. i'm just saying if 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 uh if that was you know the definition <laughs> i was trying to get the delta upgrade thanks joel yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I get it, but it's not like, but why are we looking at it from a national standard instead of a city standard of what broadband means to these cities? And I get it because there's these levels of government and stuff. But I think this is a major point that I've always said is that what the FCC says is served doesn't mean that is what the city considers is served. Um, but there's implications with money. And I would go further than that. You know, I would I would focus on like I think and I think of this as and I, it's not fair to pick out Baltimore, but I just have done a lot of talking and working with folks in Baltimore to think about this issue. And we have a little bit more about their stats for one reason or another. Um, but the issue in my mind uh, is that there is a significant need. There are, um, for instance, many children who do not have home Internet access. Um, and that is a problem that I think should be resolved. I don't think you have I don't think you have good. Kim, I think you're uh, typing a bit loud there. Um, I suspect it's you anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I think that that it is very difficult to have to claim that we have a decent education system if you have a bunch of kids going home who cannot do their homework, who cannot do extra stuff on it. Um, I think we have a number of people who Travis might say that they don't want internet service uh, because they they haven't really had a chance to appreciate it, um, which is to say like. They recognize that there are uh, problems that come with it in trying to get involved with telehealth and do government services online. And they've just decided, like, it's just not for me because I can't figure it out. And I'm too concerned about it. I think it is important to bring those people online uh, so that they're able to take advantage of those services. I do not think our goal is 100% of people online. And so I agree with you on that. But I think there's a significant missing need that is not met by just making it available, uh, even at an affordable price. My last point to make is the FCC was also forced by Congress to even set a definition of broadband. If they could, if they could stop tomorrow, they would never do it again. They don't want to be in this business. They hate doing this. 
So this is another one of those things that they would much prefer not to have to do. So. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're a regulator that doesn't want to set the definitions. They don't want to know where this, no. where broadband is. No, I can't even figure out why these people want to be the commissioners. As best I can tell, they think it's like cool, but like, it's, it's amazing to me <laughs> to want to be on the commission and then to say, no, it's 2023. I don't think we should know where broadband really is. I think we should have companies lying to us about where broadband is available and like, we should not do anything about it. I don't think we should know what the pricing is reasonable or not like well we shouldn't bother knowing that like it's just <laughs> four, four speeches travis <laughs> well i've got to run pretty quick here but i would like to leave one thought on the table is this a bomb nope as big of an issue as this is and as major of a vote as this was this morning at the fcc we didn't even make any of the news cycles Nothing. Not even not even a line item. Apparently, government mandating the speed of cars is more important than this FCC decision was today. So there will not be a front page headline about no. the uh, about the no. digital discrimination. So as, as passionate yeah. as we are about it, it didn't even seem to make the news. Yeah, I mean, this is how government takes over the internet. It's very quiet and um, it's unreported. <laughs> but now, you know, I mean, you won't even be able to engage in sports betting without the FCC asking you if that's the bet you really want to make. That's what's coming next. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I actually think sports betting is probably going to help unravel our society even further. But I don't know why I picked that. This came in my head. <laughs> uh, any last comments, Kim? Nope, I was just wondering how sports betting was going to be the downfall of society with everything else going on. But don't, don't ask. This will, that will never I, I, it will never end. So I have nothing. I have nothing. Well, the good news is, is that these uh, drugs that reduce your cravings for foods and stuff like that may reduce some of the, the sports betting issues. So maybe we won't even have that issue come up. It's coming out at the right times. Uh, Travis, any last thoughts? You got to run? Well, well done, Mr. Mitchell. Well done. But I, I would like to keep up on this uh, FCC thing because I'd really, it's, you know, maybe Doug will probably be the one that knows the most about it. What's all in this thing? There's a lot in there to unpack. Well, so. I think the other thing is, is you want to make a bet? I want to bet in six months, there's not a single proceeding that has done anything on this. I'll make, take that bet in 12 months too. Yeah. I'm with you. Yep. No, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. It's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's, but here's the thing. There's some movement in our industry finally, huh? Something's happening. Well, with that, we did schedule our next show for once. Uh, I was a little proactive in the pre-show. So we are looking at uh, Friday, December 1st at 2 o'clock Eastern time. We'll uh, send out a reminder and we will be back. And um, yes, as our closing comment, we'll give it to Ezra. Um, online sports betting companies should finance open access networks. I'll go one further. They should also be contributors to USF reform. So uh, with that, <laughs> uh, everyone else should pay and uh, not us. <laughs> and uh, we will um, see you uh, sometime soon. <laughs> two weeks and one day, two weeks and two weeks. This is what happens when I'm trying to figure out where the outro video is while I'm doing the outro. Poor planning, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you all for being professionals. I'll try and do better next time. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, y'all. Hope you have a good time with your family. And uh, tell them that the internet's about to get wrecked by uh, the FCC's overstepping, so they should enjoy the last few moments of it while they can. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>